Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. What's up, people? How's everybody doing? Hope you all are staying safe out there. Um, staying safe, a, staying healthy, staying smart. Yeah, yeah. We got a great case for you this week. I discovered this on YouTube a while back um, and just kind of got sucked into watching it. Interesting case. We got a hero in this case, a private investigator, a private eye that was just a beast. Yes, this guy should yes, be celebrated. He really broke this case and he's just, yeah. I'm proud he's a North Carolinian, my friend. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Well, this t- but this what's place, funny uh, is that like some of the stuff he like the way his vocabulary and the way he talks, you just think he wouldn't be that intelligent of a person. <laughs> uh, yeah. For some, well, I'm just saying for like so not not because of his accent. I'm just saying like, uh, and he even said it like he, he didn't know what a, an indictment was, and it's like you work as a private investigator, you're like an extension of the police, you know. But he doesn't even understand like the legal jargon and stuff. Nah, but that doesn't to, stop him from reputation. being a badass. Like. Yeah. If you like some people they're just if they zone in on a goal or a target, they like he's just one of those guys. It's like he made it his goal to find well, this girl that was missing. Yeah. And he was gonna fucking do anything by any means, even stuff that police aren't able to do. And that's why he ends up breaking the case open. He was able to do stuff that the cops aren't able to do. We've seen right. that in the past work out, you know. Actually well, in our case that we did last week with the the woman that uh, worked with the the murder suspect and got his dna from a cup at work like it's right. a similar thing to that yeah pretty similar he did uh, this one that was a little bit more extensive uh, a little bit more time and yeah. money and resources was put into this uh conviction but what i was yeah. going to say is you were talking about how he didn't sound very intelligent well there's there's different forms of intelligence right and this yeah. dude is like ingenuity uh creativity yeah. planning like he's just he, he get shit like, done smart. Yes. He can't like he, bl- knock your socks off when you talk to him. He's not going to like wow you with a bunch of big words. <laughs> right. But he has <laughs> but, good uh, ideas he can and get he's shit a done. people person too. He just, yes. he had that, he has that uh, calming Southern draw at the same time that kind of, I could see how he could befriend people pretty easily. And I think that really right. came in handy uh, in this case. Yeah. Doubt. Yeah. It takes place in so, Fayetteville. Uh, uh, the uh, home of Fort Bragg Air Force Base in North Carolina. Yep. It's pretty much all that Fayetteville's known for. Uh, it's just a military town. I mean, I, I've not, I don't live there, so it's not fair. It's about three hours from me. And I'm sure there's plenty yep. of other uh, great things that come from there. But uh, yeah, mostly uh, Fort Bragg Air Force, yep. where this and, uh, victim was stationed, right? Yeah, our victim was a was a um, a member of the military. She was a actually a, a combat medic and. Uh, mm-hmm. She was taken too soon, and yeah, we'll dive into all the details of that after Michael's intro, so let's get into it. Let's do it. You tell me, you tell me what happened. Two sides of every story, somewhere in the middle of the truth. Tell me your side of it. Let's go back to that night at the bar. Um, Yeah, I mean, went and picked her up. Went back to the bar. I mean, played pool, drink, some karaoke. Everything was, was going good. Then I reckon somebody had told her about about my sex offense thing, and I mean I kind of I, I didn't know it, but I mean that's when she started acting kind of funny towards me. And you know when she said she was ready to go home, you know I was talking with her, and I, mean, I can't remember exactly what was said, but I know she said to me, she said not you child molester or something like that. And I, I just snapped and zoned out and hit her, knocked her out. And I stuck her in the car and took her back to where I stayed at. And 
woke up, started screaming, and I hit her again, knocked her out again. And I, mean, I can't really remember what happened in that time period. I, I know, you know, I mean, she, I mean, she was dead. Then that morning, or I reckon it was like 5, 4.35 or something, and I stuck her in the car and took her down here. Then what? And I pulled in here, I mean, I went, took her over there and buried her. And I left and went back to the bar, stayed at the bar. How do you know she was dead? I mean, starting to get to death. It all around. I won't love to grab my fingers gently, slam them in a doorway, put my face into the ground. And I won't love to murder my own mother, take her off to somewhere like hell or up above. And I won't love to change my friends to enemies, change my friends to enemies. Show me it's all my fault, fault. I won't let love disrupt, corrupt, or interrupt case this week was the murder of Kelly Bordeaux. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about our study sources for this. We used a couple of specials that were done by, um, one was by ID, mm-hmm. Investigation Discovery, their Hometown Homicide Series. We've done an episode on the Hometown Homicide Series before that ID does, um, Local Mysteries, and this one was called The Fayetteville Soldier Who Didn't Make It Home. Um, and I also used a 48-hour special called The Hunter, Searching for Kelly Bordeaux. So, right. There was also a crime time uh, doc as well on YouTube. Oh, I didn't see 40 that one. Minutes. Yeah, I watched that one as well. A lot of the same information, but a lot of interview uh, with the private investigator, which I enjoyed. A yeah, lot, a lot of this one, I mean, it plays well on uh, in those type of specials. That's why I think TV, it's like made for TV, really, because 
Um, just the fact that she was a, a young, pretty blonde soldier, um, stationed, like you said, at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. And then, uh, and she had like almost like a love triangle type of thing going on. I mean, she had a husband, but then she also had a secret relationship we'll dive in, we'll right. get into. And when you're talking true and, crime, that translates into a lot of suspects. <laughs> yeah. Love interests yeah, are always a lot the of drama. suspects, It's a lot right? of drama. I mean, yeah. everybody was speculating on who could have done it. Was it the husband? Was it the side boyfriend? Or was it this... Or this was it oddball the character that she boyfriend. went out with. <laughs> yeah, or was it the creep that uh, turned out to be a pedophile? Um, oh, that's, I'm going to mm, lean that way. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But let's start at the beginning. So Kelly was born Kelly Henson on December 27th, 1988. Um, she ends up getting the last name from her husband, who we briefly mentioned. Um, but yeah, born Kelly Henson. She shares a birthday with Bill Goldberg, badass wrestler. Oh um, yes. You know, I'm not really into wrestling, but growing up, if I had to pick one, I, th I thought he was he was pretty awesome because of the Goldberg. the spear move that he had. It was yes. just fun to watch. Dude, that was a great time in wrestling. Yeah, I know you yeah. were just so ready for him to just stick somebody straight up Madden hit stick somebody, bro. You know what's but funny like is my grandfather. Mm. My grandfather. Uh, up into his 70s was really into WWE and WWF and all that. He was he was into all the wrestling stuff. Really? <laughs> An old man. <laughs> Dude, that's Hilarious. badass. And Goldberg though, was his cool. favorite. Oh, yeah. yeah. Goldberg, man. With just that one tribal tattoo. Like, he single-handedly made tribal tattoos popular, I think. Right. It was like the first Affliction shirt. It was like the Goldberg tattoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, I loved that oh. era of wrestling, man. When The Rock was first coming on the scene, you had Goldberg, you had... Uh, Sting, um, uh, The Big Show. Remember The Big Show? Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. But that was the last time I was interested in wrestling was, was around that time. You just, I, just, I just grew out of the narrative, stopped watching it. You know, you got, it's like a soap opera. Yep. You, you got to stay up to date with it. And everyone knows it's fake. We all know it's fake. It's play acting is all it is. Exactly. You still buy in, though, and it can still be fun. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, it's a... Very profitable business. It's so. like theater, you know? It's like theater for a different audience. Yeah. I mean, it's theater not like the stunts. pinkies out, wine drinking audience. It's like just your average Joe, but it's still the same thing. It's over-the-top acting Yeah, with uh, greased-up, muscle-bound dudes. That's all it yeah. is. So. And with some acro acrobatic stunts as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she also shares a birthday with Louis Pasteur, a French biologist who... Uh, um, he was a microbiologist, chemist, uh, renowned for his discoveries of the principles of vaccination and microbial fermentation. So, made some um, big strides in uh, in like fighting disease and stuff. So, I felt like he was worth mentioning. I, I'd really I'd heard his name, but I didn't know what he was famous for. I just I'd heard Louis Pasteur, right. but so it was kind of cool reading about the stuff that he accomplished. Hell yeah, man! Little little history lesson there. You should sprinkle those in yeah. more often, Lauren. Yeah, how like about that. that? Um, so Kelly, uh, she was born and grew up in St. Cloud, Florida. She was uh, pretty smart, tough as nails. Everyone described her as tough as nails, and that translated over to the military later. Um, she was early on was just full of life, though. Tack like a lot like our last week's uh, case. She reminded me a lot of her. Yeah, Mandy. Just a Mandy bright Stavik. young person yeah. that seems like they were almost too too bright for this planet. Like someone just had to have them. You know what I mean? Some creep would find them because they were just like bigger than life. Right. No doubt. There was definitely, um, yeah, they were definitely both attractive in more than just a physical way. They had personalities right. that drew people in. Yeah. You know what I'm and saying? she was like almost too nice to everyone where it's like she had the, the tendency to, I think maybe 
guys would get the wrong impression just because she's really pretty and smart and fun to be around. And then she's really nice to like everybody, you right. know, like the more I do this, this podcast and the more cases we've studied, the more I'm like, now I understand why a lot of really pretty women are kind of unapproachable and like they have that they have vibe, like don't, don't come near me because like, yeah, it's like a defense mechanism. It's like, if you're yep. nice to some random creep, just because you're a nice person, you could end up getting killed like this. Like, uh, it's yeah. a sad fact of life. Yeah, or or stalked. I mean, even if it's not that bad, you could still yeah. be stalked, or you know, maybe he'll keep coming to where you show up just because mm-hmm. you were, were. And I'm sure that we have listeners that could could uh, justify these stories and these claims. Yeah, a hundredfold. You know, I mean, I don't know. My wife, she she still doesn't. She doesn't like going in some stores by herself yeah. just for that reason. She's like, it's just so much easier when you're there. I've had to I've had to tell my wife because she's one of those people that's just always nice like overly nice to everybody mm-hmm. and she's pretty and it's like I, she's she's definitely uh, had some like stalkers before yeah like even when I was dating her early on where it's like boyfriends that couldn't let it go and or just random dudes that got the wrong impression right know? and so I think she, I've, I've hardened her on that a little bit like hey just be careful when you're overly nice to strangers because they get sometimes they think it's because you like them you know but it's not necessarily that. I know, and they're just and they're literally just giving a smile or a nod right. or or a friendly thing, which is no different than what men do, but yeah. it's it's never taken that way, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's not taken every time a man is nice to a woman, or holds a door for her or smiles at her or whatever. She doesn't think that um, he wants to be with her, but that may be the case. But she doesn't think that. Oh, it usually is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> that's that's the problem, right? It's the problem that <laughs> it, it, we're both doing the same things, but both sexes interpret things differently. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so in high school, Kelly was a cheerleader and ran track while maintaining A grades. She ended up graduating from St. Cloud High School in 2007, a year after I graduated. So around the same age, would have been around the same age as me as well. She was born in 88, as we mentioned. I was born in 87. So she's right around our age, Michael. Right. Um, after high school, she went to community college for dental hygiene, which is what my wife does. So a little nice. ties there as well. Um, um, and was also simultaneously working at Sonic, Sonic drive through as a car hop, underrated fast food joint, Sonic. I think we've talked about no them doubt. before, but the happy hour with the slushes. Oh, dude, the, the ocean water drink and like they have good breakfast burritos. Um, yeah, they do. Everything's a little overly salty. And if tots. I had to criticize Sonic for one thing, they oversalt a little bit. Even mm. on for fast food standards, they're a little salty. Right, right, right. But uh, other than that, they got some good concoctions. They have great commercials. One of the funnier commercials. <laughs> oh, yeah, those two guys. Those two dudes, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're always amusing to me. Yeah, they are. I like the, uh, I like the pettiness of the humor. Yeah. It reminds me of like the office. I, I just love how petty right. they are with each other. They just can't, exactly. let, either, they can't let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she's, she's taking on menial jobs and going through school. Um, and then uh, in the summer of 2010, though, uh, was a huge month for her. So she graduated in 07, and, and she's kind of trying to find her way. And in 2010, she makes two big leaps in her life. Um, in May, she joined the Army and will go on to later become a combat medic. But she joins the Army um, in 2010. And in the same year, actually like a month later, uh, she in June, she ends up marrying longtime boyfriend Mike Bordeaux, and that's where she gets the, the last name Bordeaux, mm-hmm. um, announcing on the day after her wedding on Facebook, quote, Kelly Marie Bordeaux here. So she'd been posting <laughs> daily. Actually, I was trying to get more information on her background because a yeah. lot of the 
the articles and specials that were done on her kind of just start with her being in the army and then they go through you yeah. know, the events that transpire after that. You couldn't get much, but you, her, her Facebook page is still actually active and you can go back and look at posts she made back in in 2010, 2007. Nice. That's what's or nice no, like, about these was, newer cases is that you're able yeah. to do that. There's usually some sort of trail of the actual people involved posting somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to try to find. Yeah. It was a different time back then too. Some of the stuff she she said on her posts were like would not be taken kindly anymore. <laughs> oh right, well, it was ten years go ago, man. Ten, a lot can know, happen in a decade. Yeah. See that over and over again. Yeah, um, the petite five foot one blonde had a passion for adventure and a dream of seeing the world, which made the military a natural calling for her. And being a combat medic also satisfied her desire to help people. So, um, as we mentioned, she gets married in 2010 and then goes on into the military. And by late 2011, early 2012, after completing basic training and boot camp, Kelly was told that she'd be stationed at Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So she's going to be making the jump from from yep. Florida up to North Carolina. Not um, a bad and move. Her, yeah. <laughs> and her newly wed husband, Mike Bordeaux, they'd now been married for like a little over a year, I believe, tagged along with her to North Carolina, and the two got an off-base apartment in Fayetteville. Um, however, the stress of adjusting to a new life in another state put their marriage under pressure when Mike was un- unable to find a job and was drinking heavily. So she's yeah. on base doing her thing and she's coming home to him drunk and just kind of not really adjusting well to North Carolina, not making new friends there and not happy. Right. Um, well, I, I don't know. It just seemed to me like, um, I mean, how are you unable to find a job on a military base? I mean, I feel like they would put you to work doing anything, especially if you're a spouse. Right, I feel like Mike just kind of gave up when they moved to to Fayetteville. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. That's possible, and, and, and it's also, a lot of stress. They just got married. You know what I mean? That's a that's a lot of. I mean, the first year or so of marriage, at least that's what people tell me, is is difficult. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're when when the wife is also in another relationship that the husband doesn't know about. You have yeah. to wonder also. Right, that puts a lot of was strain Kelly. On. How was Kelly? <laughs> how loving. Yeah, how loving was Kelly being and how dedicated to this marriage or had she already written it off? It sounds like she had already written it off because she had found somebody she liked more um, uh, because yeah. she had she had been uh, keeping a secret from Mike. Um, she'd been in another relationship with a man named Justin Thompson for over a year whom she'd met back in St. Cloud before joining the military. So it seemed like she'd been with him either yeah. right before she married Mike or right after she married Mike. Right. Why would like, she? It's probably like right after. Yeah. She probably started getting some cold feet, and then she was talking about going to the military, and then, you know maybe Mike's alcoholism was was picking up, and then he was mm-hmm. stressing out about the move, didn't have a job. Yeah. You know things can uh, get unattractive real quick for a woman who's yeah. as who's as like driven and motivated as Kelly is. You see what I'm saying? Right, hard to felt, be with a guy like guy that's yeah. kind of mopey and drinking, and she felt like she was kind of dragging him. I think. Yeah, like he was an anchor. Yes. Yeah, and she confided in her sister Olivia about this secret relationship she was having, um, and uh, Kelly said that she liked, or no, Olivia said that Kelly told her that uh, she liked Justin so much that she had decided to divorce Mike. She just hadn't told Mike yet. Um, now, Mike, at the time, still in the dark about Justin, returned home to Florida when he and Kelly decided to take a break. Kelly remained alone in Fayetteville, where she knew no one other than her fellow soldiers at Fort Bragg. However, after Mike returned to Florida, Justin 
uh, the secret boyfriend was making frequent weekend trips to Fayetteville to see Kelly. So she's on base during the week. And then on the weekends, her boyfriend was coming up to visit her while her husband was back in Florida right. in the same town that Justin was from. So kind of a weird, kind of weird a break. situation there. Um, yeah. And you know, she's probably communicating with Mike on a daily basis. basis. They're still married. Um, however, he has no clue about this Justin guy. So You know what's funny is like in the interviews, Mike acted like the break was his idea, but I seriously doubt that. Yeah. I feel like it was his idea. He was like, okay, let's just take a break. Let's just get some space, you know? And then, well, mm -hmm. well, probably that might have been because probably what happened was Kelly came to him and was like, I want to separate, you know, yeah. <laughs> you need to go back to and Florida. And he's like, you just need some time to think it, about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, well, let's just take a break. You know, let's just, let's just set it, uh, set a time a couple weeks. And she was probably like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. That's what it seemed like to me. It because, seemed like he was heartbroken and she had already moved on from him. Yes. They were on two different planes as far as their relationship was concerned. Yes. That seemed pretty obvious. Um, it was one of during it was during uh, one of Justin's weekend visits that Kelly met a man named Nicholas Holbert who worked as a helper at a local bar called Froggy Bottoms where Kelly and Justin had gone for drinks. So Justin's up to North Carolina visiting Kelly and they go to this this kind of little watering hole, kind of a hole in the wall bar. Yeah. Um, so apparently there's there's bars like this all over Fayetteville. Um, this one's called like this Froggy Bottoms. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. sounds cool. Is this sounds, this kind of place where you would have gone and done gigs when, when you had your band? Yes, no doubt. There's this cool little hole-in-the-wall place called Tommy's, and it reminds mm -hmm. me a lot of that. But um, it's just, just lovingly called Tommy's. It's just always been Tommy's Bar or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like that, man. Most people that go there, they know you've seen the people there. They have a lot of regulars. But it's a very friendly yeah. environment for the most part. Mm -hmm. But... uh. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Just a little staple of the community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, she's there with, with Justin, and, and she meets this guy, Nick, who is, a, as we mentioned, a, a helper at the local bar, and he's kind of coming on strong to Kelly. He ends up giving her his telephone number and tried to befriend her while she was there with Justin. He okay. Um, and, yeah, and he was simultaneously giving Justin the creeps, obviously. Um yeah. At, the, at the time, that Kelly, did give however, the creeps, honestly, like yeah, he watched the interviews of this guy, he's, a he's just dude. a creepy guy, right? He is. I'm sorry, and it just tells you how just kind of like free spirited and fun loving that Kelly was. That she was just like assumed that he was just you know a friendly guy, just wanting to hang out or whatever. And when yeah. clearly everyone else saw it differently, right? Um, so at the time, she thought of Nick only as a drinking buddy at Froggy Bottoms after her boyfriend Justin had returned home flor to Florida. And he, uh, Nick, offers to bring her back out there, and she accepted. So he says, hey, why don't we go back to Froggy Bottoms next weekend and hang out and shoot some pool and whatnot. She agrees to accompany, accompany Nick to Froggy Bottoms on that following Friday. Um, I guess Justin wasn't going to be in town the next weekend. Right. It's, it's probably kind of brutal on Justin to be – it's not an easy trip, you know. That's quite a drive. Right. Or but even I think a, you might even have to take a flight from Florida to – Fayetteville. I mean, where it would probably be probably a five, six hour drive at least. I oh imagine. no, it's, it's about twelve, depending oh, on where they're yeah. at in Florida. Yeah, it's a long drive. Um, but you know, she, Kelly, probably just was thinking. You know, this was before the time of Uber, right? Uber was Uber mm -hmm. Uber around two thousand twelve. I don't think so. I'm not sure if they were. They weren't. Rideshare wasn't very popular. So no, I, I don't think like, they were around. That was yeah in the in the crime time or what was it? Anyways, Crime Time documentary, Kelly mm. talked about how she just needed a ride, or I mean, it seemed as though Kelly needed a ride to the bar, right? Nick worked at the bar. Yeah. So Nick is probably not 
drinking as much. I'm sure he's drinking at the bar. I mean, come on, everybody's drinking at the bar. But right. he's probably not drinking as much. You know what I mean? So she thought, well, he would be a great person to give me a ride there and give me a ride back, and he's always been a good friend or whatever. And he saw me with my boyfriend, and like mm-hmm. <laughs> many women do, they make the mistake thinking that guys give a shit about that. Um, right. Especially when they're alone with you, knowing that your boyfriend is is far away. So it, Back it, it in Florida. Right. So I think, and this is just, this goes on to prove what we were talking about earlier, how Nick and Kelly both had a completely different idea about this situation. Yeah, Kelly's like, oh, it just makes sense. You work there. You're going to be there anyway. I'm going to go spend some time there. You're sober. Drive me there. And then you can drive me home. And then Nick's yeah, like, she might have oh, even thought he'd buy her. He, she might have even thought that he'd cover her tab or whatever. Right. And she may have a little been using him a little bit uh, for, no for a ride and maybe for some free drinks. And I'll, 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 I'll have some fun with. He'll have fun. It'll be worth it for him. Exactly. Um, however, he's thinking, oh, I'm getting laid, and this is going to be great. And she's she's into me. Whatever kind of delusional thoughts he had. Yes. Um, so uh, the the plan was going to be that following Friday, which happened to fall on Friday the thirteenth, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, it quite is. eerie. Um, so it was Friday the thirteenth of April, twenty twelve, that uh, Kelly was scheduled to go on the date with him. And uh, so yeah, as we as we mentioned, she wouldn't drink and drive. Being in the army, she didn't really couldn't have a DUI on a record that could really ruin everything for her. So her new acquaintance Nick Holbert would give her a ride to Froggy Bottoms, where he worked, as we mentioned, as a general help, helper there. She was excited about going out to have some fun after another hard week at Fort Bragg. To her, this was definitely not a date with Nick, but to Nick, it definitely was. Kelly had even told boyfriend Justin Thompson, who was living in Florida, that Nick was taking her to the bar. Justin, who had met Nick with Kelly the previous weekend, wasn't happy about it. Um, He said, um, quote, she was like, oh, I'll be fine. I even texted the night before she left. I said, you better bring some pepper spray. So he was mm. a little bit concerned about this creep taking her out. Yeah, um, and that's where we, and that's where we in, uh, introduce you to David Marshburn, the private investigator we kind of talked about, who is the hero of this case. He has some quotes, and we'll get more about him in a little bit. But he later says about this evening that that uh, how things played out. He said, "quote They went to the bar, and she basically didn't pay atten- any attention to him." She was singing, cutting up, flirting with other guys, just being friendly. It's safe to say that the night wasn't playing out the way that Nick was hoping for. Um, and Kelly would leave Froggy Bottoms with Nick sometime after midnight. Uh, the PI, David Marshburn, said, quote, she wasn't drunk. Her bar tab wasn't even enough to make somebody dizzy. Um, and yeah, but I mean, how many drinks did she pay for? A pretty girl. She ended up paying bar? the tab. He, This this douchebag creep was out and sitting in his truck while she paid the tab. So... Yeah, he wasn't about buying her drinks after she ignored with. him all night. How many of those other guys yeah, that's, she flirted with could have bought her drinks, though? Seriously. Very true. She could have been very much true. more intoxicated than what they were leading on. That's a good point. She could have gotten given several drink free drinks from yes. somebody at some point. No doubt. And and maybe she had maybe uh maybe um uh Nick had his own tab, which he bought bought a couple drinks for her on too, and had already paid that. I don't know how much they considered of that. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to be taken into consideration there. Yeah. So um, boyfriend Justin receives a text from Kelly's cell phone later that night reading, quote, got home safe, dot, 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 I'm going to bed, dot, 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 call me tomorrow. Um, He says, it was weird because the text message before that was, hey, call me, call me, call me, said Justin. Justin Thompson did call her constantly all weekend to no avail, so he alerted Kelly's family. So he had a bad feeling about this. He suspected that that text about her getting home wasn't actually her. 
Um, things just didn't seem right. He ends up calling Kelly's sister, Olivia, presumably because she was the one that was aware of her sister's secret affair with him. Like mm -hmm. she may have been the only one that even knew who Justin was. Right. Um, and, uh, he asks her if he, if she knew where her sister was, she said that, uh, she's at, she should be at formation at Fort Bragg. And he said, no, she's not. He might want to try and get a hold of her. Um, he, Olivia quote said, and he's like, something's up, something's happened, something's going on. And he knew immediately. Um, then when Kelly doesn't report for duty at Fort Bragg on Monday morning and there's no sign of her at her apartment, friends, family, and army brass started to get really worried. Kelly was reported missing to police and a massive search, is, search was mounted. So her mother wasn't worried immediately. Like the day after she thought she was just going to turn up, like she was at a friend's house or something. But, right. um, when she realized by Monday that she wasn't at Fort Bragg where she was supposed to be, she, she basically started to panic at that point. Um, and so this big search gets gets going, and among the search volunteers were Nick Holbert, the guy she was with that night, and Kelly's estranged hu uh, husband, Michael Bordeaux, who now, along with her boyfriend, Justin, were the cop's main persons of interest. Uh, <laughs> this is What an awkward situation twisted. for the husband, Mike, right? This is uh, how he finds out. He's about to find out about Justin. He, had, he still yeah, had no idea. he still idea. doesn't know. It took his, his wife going missing for him to find out about her secret lover, and of course he's going to look at the the secret lover he never knew about and, you know, kind of suspect maybe that guy did it. Oh, no doubt. They're both um, blaming each other at this point. Yeah. Early on, Kelly's mother was deeply suspicious of husband Mike Bordeaux because she knew Kelly had broken up with him only a week earlier. Yeah, that doesn't look good. She's got this, this uh, side boyfriend and she breaks up with him and he moves away from North Carolina back to Florida. Does he strike back at her in anger and do something like this? Uh -huh. um, that's that's a, a hell quote of a from motive. The mother. <laughs> Here's a quote from the mother. Kelly gave him $1,000 and a one-way ticket to Orlando and said, we're done, said Henson. Oh. So she was very suspicious of the husband. Uh, Mike Bordeaux had returned to Fayetteville and publicly denied that he and Kelly had broken up. He was the concerned husband taking part in searches and appearing on TV, and he was, like, crying and very emotional about this. Well, of course. Um, I mean, I, I feel like he still he still cared about her. Oh, yeah, he's he still in love with her. Be, yeah, he didn't want this to be over. I think the breakup was sudden in his eyes, and he still had high hopes that they were going to get back together and this would all blow over. Yep. Um, he said, quote, me and her loved each other very much. Just please let her come home. Just let her come home to her family, me, friends. Just let her come home. But Henson wasn't buying it, and she confronted Mike Bordeaux. She said, you know, I'm going to ask you this, Mike. Did you do something to my daughter? He ended up slamming the phone down on her um, when she asked him that. He was very emotional. Mm. Um, now, Nick Holbert wasn't the la was the last person known to see Kelly before she vanished. So, of course, in the police's eyes, he was immediately under heavy suspicion. Um, but it seemed like everyone in Fayetteville had their own idea of who might have done something to uh, had had something to do with Kelly's disappearance. "Quote: The police department's number one person of interest, and I do know this for a fact, was the husband, not Nick," said David Marshburn, the private detective who got involved in this case two days in. He now he. Let's just give a little background on David Marshburn since he was kind of the hero of this case. He had been a private investigator for a while, and he was basically a bounty hunter for most of his career. He had taken down, like he said, like over 500 suspects, people who were on the run from police, and he was like basically doing what like Dog the Bounty Hunter does, going and finding them and taking them into police custody and for a payday. Um, but when he saw this this story hit the uh, hit the airwaves, you know, about this young. Uh, pretty soldier who was who went missing he was like i'm really good at finding uh you know active suspect criminals but i've never tried to find like 
you know, potentially a murder victim. And he right. was, I mean, early on, it just did not look good. So he assumed he may have been looking for a body. Right. Um, so he took this on and he basically made it his life's mission to find out the truth and find who, who did whatever happened to Kelly, find out who did it and what happened. Um, so, uh, Meanwhile, the, as we mentioned, the police number one uh, person of interest at the time, according to David Marshburn, was the husband, not Nick. Husband Mike, however, uh, was now finding about finding out about his wife's secret lover and couldn't help but wonder. And this was makes this story crazy. It's like each person has their own suspicion. You know, it's like the husband finds yeah. out about Justin, and of Naturally. course he's going to think, well, of course this boyfriend did it. Right. Um, he he says the first name I heard of was Justin. The detective was the first person to tell me about it. Yikes, dude. So, that had to be rough. That had to be rough yeah. to swallow, man. Hearing that, be like, who? Mm. Who did? Oh, man. That oh, had to have been shit. brutal. It's like, not only is my wife missing, but I've, now I find out she's been in a relationship with this other guy all this oh. time. Yeah, let's blame him. Horrible. Yeah, that's a rough day. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so police, though, they they're still don't really have any concrete evidence to point to any suspect. Initially, they had no evidence to connect any of the three persons of interest to Kelly Pordeaux going missing. Both husband Mike and boyfriend Justin had proved that they had they were hundreds of miles away in St. Cloud, Florida when Kelly disappeared. And Nick Holbert, the last known person to see Kelly before she vanished, had told police he dropped her off near her apartment and after an evening of drinking at Fayetteville Bar, uh, Froggy Bottoms. His story was supported by a text boyfriend Justin received from Kelly's cell phone later that night telling, she, telling him she had arrived safely. Justin was unable to reach Kelly again, and he suspected Nick had harmed her. Justin wasn't the only one. So there was a couple people that that had their eyes on Nick as the as the number one suspect. The boyfriend, Justin, who had gotten a creepy vibe from him all along, was worried about her going out with him that night to begin with. And then the private detective, David Marshburn, when he sees when he sees uh Nick get interviewed on TV about yeah. trying to find Kelly, he right away says that guy is guilty. He he just ha- he <laughs> says he has a sixth sense for people right. that are lying right. and he know he knows. Well, I mean um, that narrative so, sounds good after the fact, but who knows what he really thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, he says at the time that when he saw the interview, he says, "Quote, I actually happened to see Nick Holbert on TV doing his interview on Kelly Bordeaux. Um uh, Holbert was pleading to the public for information on her whereabouts while he was out looking for her with hundreds of other searchers. And I told my wife, I said, look, he's lying. I'm like a human lie detector, just about. I can tell when people are feeding me BS. I feed people BS like you wouldn't believe, but it's my job. <laughs> uh, it takes one to know one. Right. That's, yeah, that's what that's all about. But I mean, also, um, if he knew the facts, he's following the case. He knows that both uh, love interest had a very good alibis. And then this guy was the last one yeah. to see her. I mean, and the dude was creepy. So, I mean, he's already under suspicion. And if he does this yeah, all the time, then, you know what I'm saying? It, it's not just the way the guy talked. It's also the circumstances. Yeah. And when Marshburn gets a little bit of inside info from the police about Nick's background, that just makes him look even more guilty. Yes. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But David Marshburn at the time said, I told my wife, I want to see if I can find this girl. I can find somebody that's on the run, but finding somebody just sitting still, that's going to be another task. Uh, Marshburn's suspicions about Nick grew when he learned that he was a homeless drifter living in his truck in a makeshift camp behind Froggy Bottoms where he worked as a barhand. So more on his background in a minute, but at the time that Kelly went disappeared, uh, went missing and that he had taken her out, he was actually living in a ho- in a tent in the woods. Yes, right behind um, the bar. He was basically homeless. Um, uh, Marshburn said, quote, this was his home. Uh, he knew this area very well, like a hunter. And that's what, the, that's about like what he was a hunter with his prey. He used netting, limbs, duct tape, 
plastic, all sorts of weird stuff. Um, so yeah, there was actually pictures and video of, of where he was living is later, literally just like a collection, like a circular collection of trees with like tape and shit going around it. I'm guessing he had some sort of tarp going around that at the time. Right. I think that Um, was just to deter animals and maybe give himself a little privacy, though. I don't think he was trying to catch A little cover from rain or whatever. I don't think he was trying to catch shit in those nets. I think they were mostly... No, 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 no. But he was just saying, like, he he would have known these woods like a predator would, you know, if, if... Yeah. And when you find out his background, he was, in fact, a predator of women and young girls because the police then discovered Nick Holbert was a convicted sex offender who had sexually assaulted and beaten a five-year-old girl when he was 16 years old. He had spent time in prison for it. Um, He was a predator of around females of any age, you know, the more they looked into him and, and heard about his past. Police still couldn't link him to Kelly's disappearance, but they did manage to put him behind bars for a year for failing to register as a sex offender in Fayetteville. Um, so they didn't have enough evidence to prove that he had harmed Kelly, but they did have his background, the fact that he didn't uh, register as a sex offender. So they had a, a means to put him in jail while they could further investigate him and try and find more more proof that he had done something to Kelly. And uh, meanwhile, David Marshburn said, quote, so while he was in jail, the only thing I could do was go to the areas where Nick had been. And I wound up working hundreds of hours searching woods, searching ponds, searching, you know, lakes, everything. Um, and when Marshburn failed to find any trace of Kelly, he devised a plan to befriend Nick when he gets out of jail and trick him into doing, uh, telling him where, uh, Kelly was or what he knew about Kelly's disappearance. So this thing's kind yeah, of, he got crafty with this, a lot craftier than I thought he, got, he was going to. Yeah, he, he was, he really took this personal at a certain point. He, he had zoned in on Nick, knew it was him early on and was just dedicated to proving it. Um, and meanwhile, the family was searching for answers still, you know, and it's been a year now. Nick's been locked up and Kelly's been missing and they really don't even know about David Marshburn and how he, how obsessed he is with this about finding the truth. And later they're like, just amazed by the fact that just a, a citizen would take this on and help so much in their daughter's disappearance and right. their sister and, you know, any family member, um, quote, I had to be his best friend. I had to be a good friend to him, says David Marshburn. I went to his home, and when he answered the door, I said, Nick, I'm David Marshburn. I'm a PI. I'd like to talk to you about Kelly. I don't believe you've done it. <laughs> so right away, <laughs> he gets on the grounds of, you're innocent. I know you are. No, yeah. let's um, right out the gate, but I, I believe you can help me clear your name so we can find her. So he tries to act like they're on the same ground, as that they want to find Kelly because they course. both care. Right. Um, Good way to start. And he said he breaks down his plan. He says, "I had it in three stages. You don't have nothing to do with it. You might have had something to do with it. You did it. By the end of that, you did it stage. I was accusing him of doing it, and he wouldn't deny it. So this was his game plan, <laughs> right? Um, David started by literally buying Nick's friendship and trust. Quote: The guy was down on his luck. He needed money, and if I gave him money, he would keep wanting to see me, whether True I talked to him about Kelly or not." There were times when I would be at dinner with my family and he would call and I and said, I don't have anything. I need some cigarettes. I need to eat. And I would drop what I was doing, leave my family and go an hour away just to give him money. He actually talked later and was starting to tear up in interviews, David Marshburn, about how he almost lost his marriage and his and his family over this case. Like Yeah, because you gotta spend so much understand. time dealing with Nick. Right. Cause you gotta understand go at this time, it's been a year. So the excitement mm-hmm. and the the tent, the intensity around this case has already died down. So, to his wife and his kids, they're probably like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, just just leave right. this guy alone. Like, he done went to jail. Like, let the police do their let job. Let the police probably do is their, what their job. Saying, yeah, don't. let's have dinner. Yep. But yet yep. he had this conviction about this. I mean, I feel like 
I noticed that uh, David Marshburn mentioned religion a few times in his interviews, and I felt like yeah. I feel like that he felt like this was his purpose. This is his, his way mm-hmm. to give back. He was doing God's work by removing evil people, yeah, from from Earth. And yep. I feel like he so just they couldn't, couldn't harm others. Yeah. It was his mission. Yeah, because I mean, at this time, Nick is a predator walking the streets too. I mean, he's gotten out after yep. a year for serving, you know, on the not not reporting that he was a sex offender, and now he's back on the streets again. Yep. And uh, you know, if David truly believes he killed Kelly, then he knows he's got a murderer, predator, sexual predator, murderer walking the streets in his town. So you can see why he was so obsessed with getting this thing solved. Um, but months would go by without a frustrated Marshburn getting any information out of Nick about Kelly's disappearance. He said, quote, I wanted to take him into a barn somewhere, just start cutting his fingers off until he told me where the hell she was. That's how mad I was, how ticked off I was. I was so close, yet he wouldn't give it to me. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, David persisted, trying anything. He even convinced Nick that he worked out a deal with prosecutors and presented him with a fake plea deal bargain, uh, bargain that he drew up himself. He said, I did a fake plea bargain with all this legal jargon that said that if he told me where Kelly was and apologized to the family, he would get probation and rehab- rehabilitation. He's going to tell them com- tell that he committed the murder. He killed Kelly. He's going to apologize for it. He's going to get mental health for, uh, treatment for it. He's going to stay in like an apartment complex where he'll have a computer to work on. And Nick Holbert believed it. So he presents him with this paper saying right. all this stuff that's going to happen. Um, he says, quote, he took it and looked at it and stared at it and read it over and over. Then all of a sudden he paused for a little bit and handed it back to me and said, I'm not going to sign it. They'll just take it back. So oh, the only reason so he close. didn't sign it is he was worried that prosecutors would, would, uh, but that's uh, end up not following itself, the rules. Right. Yeah. The fact that exactly. he said, I'm not going to sign it and then gave a reason. He didn't say, I'm mm-hmm. not going to sign it. I didn't do this because I didn't kill her. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to sign it. They'll just take it back. Right. Um, but as you mentioned, the mere fact that Nick considered the deal was proof to Marsh, uh, to Marshburn that he was responsible for Kelly's disappearance. He said, at that point, I knew I had him 100,000%. Uh, I had the right guy. I had the man. And so now he's got a, he's got even more motivation and he's just, it's kind of like puts a fire under his ass to, to figure out a way to get this guy behind bars yep. for more than two years. Kelly Bordeaux's family now at this point. Uh, has been searching for answers, and they would finally get them when the PI, David Marshburn, managed to get the killer to confess using his final trick. Marshburn showed up to see Nick and told him he was about to be indicted for Kelly's murder. He said, quote, the reason I wanted to do an an indictment was because I don't understand indictments. A lot of people don't unless you're in the legal realm. So an indictment will be easy to BS about and hard for him to understand, David said. Um, And he even went as far to, uh, he he draws up this fake indictment, shows up to Nick's place, where he had drawn, presents him with this indictment, and then also he had put basically a bondsman in a Crown Victoria sitting out in front of his house. He says, quote, so I put a a bondsman outside his house in a Crown Vic, and he sees it and said, I told you, man, they're watching me. They're coming after me. They got something. (laughs) Um, So this whole ruse really gets... He got, smart, he got Nick this all like flustered some, with the Crown Vic sitting out front. <laughs> yeah, this is like some Breaking Bad shit right here. Some better right. call Saul tactics. Just yep. getting some actors to play the part and scare people, man. Yeah. Got to look into so with the, fake in, with the fake indictment presented to him and the Crown Vic sitting out front, Nick was suddenly ready to sign the earlier fake plea deal, accepting the phony offer on a hand slap sentence in return for a confession. He then agreed to lead Marshburn to Kelly's body buried in a wooded area near his makeshift camp behind Froggy Bottoms Bar. Um, so he, he leads, if, if finally, um, finally. you know, Marshburn gets what he'd been working for for so long. He spent so much time, money, 
frustration on this, but he gets the ju- he he gets justified. Um, vil- he vilifies this son of a bitch, and he gets brought to the body um, of Kelly, and where he can present it to police, and they can finally lock this son of a bitch up. Um, hours later at the crime scene, Nick also confessed to Fayetteville police detective Jeff, Lock- Jeff Locklear. And somewhere between uh, what Nick tells Doctor uh, Detective Locklear and what he'd earlier confessed to David Marshburn lies the truth about what he did to um, Private First Class Kelly Bordeaux on that uh, fateful Friday the 13th night. Nick said that he the trouble began on that Friday night when he took Kelly to Froggy Bottoms where he was working as a, hand, a bar hand, as we know. Quote, so as the night went on, she was ready to go home. She went to go pay her bar tab. Um, and he says he went out to his car where he was waiting. And when she was paying her bar tab, apparently the bar tender told her, be careful with this guy. He's a sex offender. Um, at the time she had no idea about his past. So right. when she comes out of the bar, she walks down the sidewalk of Froggy Bottoms right past Nick's car as he's, as he's sitting in it. He said that, uh, he told her, Hey, I thought I was taking you home. She says, fuck you, you fucking child molester or something along those lines. So he ran up behind her, hit her and knocked her out. Uh, right in the parking lot, very bold move. Um, and David said, according to Nick's confession, he then pulls her out, lays her on the ground, pulls her clothes off, and goes ahead and starts having sex sex with her. Um, and his exact words were, while I was on top of her, she started screaming, and I grabbed a rock and just beat her in the head with it. After a few seconds, she was dead. Um, he then wrapped her up, her head up with a trash bag, and uh, he would end up going on to bury her nearby. Uh, then went back into the bar to stay at the bar and continue drinking. Nick admitted that he had sent the text message to Kelly's boyfriend, then threw Kelly's phone into a nearby river after he had already killed her. So, you know, it's weird. To everything me that the, connected. Yeah, I guess. You know what? What puzzled me at first was when Nick went back into the bar. I I, I was thinking, why didn't the bartender um, question that? Be like. Uh, where's Kelly? You know, are you already back from Kelly? But the bartender probably assumed that Kelly just went home on her own. And so he, yeah. him being left alone, now came back into the bar to drown his sorrows because he just got turned down. Or Nick, you know? or he, or the bartender could have assumed that Nick drove her and dropped her off. Cause I mean, the time, I don't know how long that's a good the, point. The, the rape and murder took, you know, but it, maybe the time would have kind of co- coincided with how long it would take to drive her home. Yes, excellent um, point. It, it's, it also says something about how chill, like how cold of a scumbag he was that he could do something so heinous like that and then just go back to the bar and just act normal. You know? And also... Like, there wouldn't be signs of like shaking or just kind of like him acting nervous or anything like that. Right. And anybody that can be set off just from one comment like that, you're fucking... You're, right. They're messed up, man. Oh, That's, yeah. It, it, go from... You fucking child molester to immediately knocking her out in the parking lot in a public place. Well, I'm not. I'm not so convinced that he wasn't already going to do something along these lines. Even if she didn't say something, I think if, if she got in that car to ride home with him, I think he had already had in his head that he was something. He was going to have her one way or another. Honestly, because mm-hmm. I think he was already very frustrated with her blowing him off all night and flirting with other guys, and he had a, this idea of what was going to go on that night, and it was complete opposite of what he wanted. Right. And um, we already knew the kind of predator he was. So I, I feel like maybe her best chance was not getting in the car, but then obviously that didn't work out either. Unfortunately, no one in the parking lot was there to stop it from happening um, or right. saw it happening. So it's a small bar, man. There probably weren't that many people there in the first place. Yeah. And then much less people outside. 
Yeah. So after Nick had led David Marshburn to uh, the shallow grave where he had buried Kelly Bordeaux, uh, David said, quote, I say a little prayer and I said, baby girl, you are going home. You're going home, baby girl. And that's in the interview, he started tearing up at that point. He had, uh, you know, really felt like he got to know her and had a personal relationship with her um, and spending two years searching for her. Right. Um, Holbert would subsequently plead guilty to first degree murder. Uh, he tried to apologize to Kelly's family at his sentencing hearing. He said, quote, probably you and your family don't want to hear anything I have to say. Correct. Uh, and that is <laughs> quite accurate in this because the family was still very angry oh, and had not forgiven him. Be. As they should be. And yeah. his, his apology didn't even seem heartfelt. It was just something he no. had to say or his lawyer wrote up for him. Mm. It was a piece of shit. Yeah. Kelly's mother, Joanna Henson, demanded he listen to her instead. She said, quote, I don't understand how you could take a beautiful young girl for pretty much no reason at all and beat the life out of her. Um, Nicholas would go on to be on oh, the, the brother. Um, Kelly's brother was actually removed from the court after several outbursts. He, he really wanted to get his hands on this piece of shit. Right. Um, and to think, you know, it had to have made the family so much more angry, too, that he was a part of the search and was acting like he, you know, he cared and was looking for her and all that. And all the while, he was the one that had done this. Yeah. That would really just make you even more angry. Because oh, they'd probably seen him at the searches and thanked him for helping to search for their daughter and stuff, you know. Yep. Um, Nick would end up being sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of patrol, uh, of parole, all thanks to David Marshburn, the persistent private detective who single-handedly brought Holbert to justice and solved the Bordeaux mystery. He said, quote, or no, this is actually a quote from uh, Kelly's sister, Olivia. He's doing it for my family, and we don't even know. And I'm like, he's doing this just because he wants to make a difference. It's astronomical. It's more than my family could ever show gratitude for. So the yeah. family is um, always going to be grateful for this man who brought their daughter's killer and their sister's killer to justice. Fayetteville police admitted they could have not closed the case without him. Marshburn admits there were times when he almost gave up, but he all, but he says he felt morally bound to keep going for the sake of Kelly and to her family and saw it as donating his time, skill, and money to a worthy cause. Quote, that's the only way I give back. That's the only way I feel it gets back to God's children, people that need it. And that's where we'll wrap this case up. So, yeah, a badass private detective yeah. taking this per case personally and uh, – I think he's like a CBS correspondent now. Like he's kind of uh, made a name for himself on this case. Um, well, I mean, before he this, have. he was just a badass bounty hunter. <laughs> he should have a TV show yeah. about him searching for this type of stuff. Yeah, and he's good on camera. He's good on camera. He, he knows is. how to talk. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's he was definitely uh, very entertaining. It was funny because like with uh, some of the other videos that I watched, it just barely touched on David Moshburn. You know, a lot, some of the other like shorter, shorter documents. I don't know how you could tell this, how you could tell the story of this case without it being heavily I, David Marshburn. I mean, what did the police really even do? It seems like they took, they, they took some reports early on. Uh, you know, they talked to suspects and then they, they locked up the guy for, you know, the, the, who ended up being the killer for not reporting himself as a sex offender. But it seems like they could have done more, you know, and David Marshburn. Did do more. Then again, he was doing some tactics that police, you know, are not even really allowed to do. He was straight up lying to him, right? Um, presenting him with fake documents and stuff like that. Although so. uh, police lie all the We've time. We've seen it though. done. I mean, I don't we've know. seen it done by police, though. We've mm -hmm. seen them straight up lie. Yes. <laughs> present fake documents and say that they have uh, say that you failed lie detector tests when you didn't, and yeah. uh, all kinds of things. Anything to get you to confess, because once you confess, yeah. It's all downhill from there.
Because who yeah. would confess to a crime they didn't commit, Lauren? Right? I know, that right, Michael? Happens. Let's. That leads <laughs> us to your other show. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Strange and Unexplained, the, the last episode of Tahir Rada. She was an Israeli girl that was murdered in a bathroom. And a Ukrainian man who was working at the school ends up taking the fall for this case. And he is still taking the fall for this case. And it is... It, because he confessed. Because, because he they confessed. presented him with all kinds of uh, fake information, proof that he had done it, right? Yes. Fake DNA. They fake put him DNA. in a cell with a man who convinced him that he would get a lighter sentence if he just could. And he actually literally started questioning his own memory. Like, yes. did I actually kill this girl? Like, yes. He actually started thinking that it is more probable that he blocked out and, and committed this entire murder and then came back to at home in clean clothes that he was wearing earlier that day. <laughs> Right. Like, if you just think about it, like, why is there nothing tying you to it? Okay, you know, you know what you were wearing that day, right? Okay, yep. well, there's no traces of blood, hair, DNA, or any evidence that you were even in the area of the murder. So, did you clean all that stuff up and then add all the pre-dirt that was back there, you know, on the shoes? Because the shoes were worn, but not bloody. You know, it's just, but it just goes to show you the power of isolation and you know external surroundings how they can they can mold your own reality but it also didn't help that he was ukrainian and didn't speak israeli but you guys should check that case out uh episode 10 of strange and unexplained just got released um it's a show i'm I'm very proud of i'm working very hard on it um lauren gives a great um segment in the show every every week we have a segment called lauren's synopsis where Lauren breaks down the case and kind of gives his opinion and stuff. Sometimes we line up, sometimes we don't, sometimes he adds things. Um, and it's it's just a great way for us to work together on a different style, a different format of podcast. So if you guys are uh, True Crime Guys fans or you've been caught up on True Crime Guys for a while, go check out Strange and Unexplained and get your little uh, get your uh, podcast fixed there as well. So That's right. We also have to talk about Oh My Gaia. Yes. Oh my guy, yeah, guys. If you're not if you're not on the Oh My Gaia train, you're really missing out. I just got my new shipment in this week. Did you? So did I. I got mine yesterday Man, and there's a new scent. It. Did you get the new scent? She's on it. What which one? Pear? Yes. We did get pear. And my like, wife is in I love. I got a new scent, but I cannot remember the name of it. It's pear. Yeah, it I don't believe amazing. it's for sale yet, so don't uh don't go trying rushing out to buy that scent. There's plenty of other scents, but I think maybe she's testing out pair to see what people think. Because like I'm looking it. at the website right now and I don't see it available at the moment. But okay. she might send you a, if you if you make an order, she might send you a, a a sample of the pair. Who knows? Yes. I love we we are if you make an order. Testers, don't go asking for so. free samples. This ain't this ain't Costco. Right, right, right. It, she's small business and with excellent quality product and she shouldn't have to give out uh free samples, guys. Seriously, you won't regret the purchase. But if you don't know no. what we're talking about, we're talking about Oh My Gaia, which is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben, all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And like we mentioned, guys, there's, there's tons of scents to choose from, and the scents are always growing. Um, Wendy is always I've got them all here if you scents. want me to go through them. Yeah, yeah, let's hear them. Let's hear what you, let's hear your list. All right. Barbershop Idaho. Okay. I don't know if you mentioned that oh, one normally. That's I, for the, the people up in Idaho or right. anybody that just likes Idaho. I know? think I need to get um, a jar of that just so I know what Idaho smells like. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to do it. It's a, good call. it's a beautiful state. Uh, also, if you want to know what we smell like, true crime pine. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> 
Uh, oh baby. I don't know what that one's about. That one's intriguing. I think that's like a clean, fresh, like baby powder scent, I believe. Okay. Sailor, one of our absolute favorites. Sailor's great. Great. And you said your wife stole that scent off you. You're not allowed to wear it anymore. I'm not allowed to wear it anymore. So, yeah. I still like it. Sweet pea. Sweet pea is my has been my wife's number one for a while, but I think okay. now that there's pear, she's going to be splitting time between sweet pea and pear. Mm, um, Fireside's nice. one of our favorites, a yes. nice smoky campfire type of wow. vibe, but like not overpowering. No doubt, very awesome scent. Uh, bergamot amber, pure Egyptian musk, flower power, honeysuckle, lumberjack, leather, dreamsicle, coconut, lilac, lavender, lemongrass, sandalwood, unscented. If you uh, just you know just want. Something to keep your pits nice and yeah. you don't want to walk around smelling like anything. And then right. uh, vanilla and cherry almond. Very nice. Um, and m- m- I believe most of these scents are available in beard oil as well. So Yes, and es- or essential oils, or just like a scented oil, rather. Not essential oil, but a, a scented oil. Um, yeah. But, guys, because you are True Crime Guys listeners, you can get any of these scents or any of these products for 15% off if by using the code word CREEPER, C-R-E-E-P-E-R. And that will get you 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. You should do it, guys. You won't regret it. No doubt. That's right. Um, and while I am looking up the shout-outs for this week for the people that have rated and reviewed us, let's, let's talk about our Patreon page, patreon.com slash guys. Two bucks a month gets you like over a hundred premium recordings, different episodes we've done, a lot of the heavy hitter serial killers, um, and just crazy events in history. We've done so much of that stuff. Yes, Um, five bucks a month gets you the gold creep van sticker. So even if you just become a five dollar patron for the first month and then you switch to two, you'll get the gold the gold creep van sticker. Mm -hmm. Very prestigious. It is Um, only way to get it. You can't buy it. That's right. Only way to get it. Yep. Uh, what else? Oh. Then we have a ten dollar um, tier as well. If you just love the show and you want to support the show at the highest level, the ten dollar tier, we appreciate that. You, you get the sticker as well. And we need to we need to figure out something. Um, ten dollar patrons, guys, hit us up if you guys want to want to do a Skype call with one of us, or um, I don't know, maybe a private text chat or whatever you want to do. I think we need to uh, figure that out because we we originally had Skype calls as like the $10 thing, but um, well, of course, me and Lauren don't live in the same state anymore, so that, that makes things a little more complicated. But also, and I, I have like, uh, I have shitty uh, satellite internet because I live in the mountains, so right. it's kind of hard to do Skype anyway. <laughs> right. But I also feel like um, it's not many people's favorite form of communication. I think most people right. don't want to get on a screen in front of somebody that they don't really right. know that well. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I mean, they may, they may feel like they know us because they listen to us a lot, but I don't think that's the preferred way. So if you guys want to have like a private chat or maybe we do um, live Q&As or, or something, I don't know. But um, yeah. if you're a $10 patron, hit us up. Let's, let's communicate somehow. We'll work something out. Yeah, we'll do something special for you. Just hit us up and let, we'll figure it out. But that's patreon.com slash guys. Right, and you have a you have a Patreon page for S and U as well. Yes, patreon.com slash S and U podcast. Um, if you're already on Patreon, you can search Strange and Unexplained. And there's a three dollar tier is the bottom tier on there, which will give you access to all of the audio tracks and early releases of episodes, which are released on Thursdays. Uh, regular releases are on the following Monday. And then there's a five dollar tier 
that get you a Strange and Unexplained exclusive uh, Patreon sticker. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like the Strange and Unexplained logo, except for the sky is like nighttime. Uh, it's starry, and then there's like a watermark that says True Crime Guys Productions in the clouds. It's pretty dope. It's kind of uh, yeah. hard to see in the pictures, but uh, you'll see it on your sticker. But that's the $5 sticker for uh, Strange and Unexplained. And uh, Right on. So basically for $5 a month, you could be on both Patreons. You could you could have a two dollar tier at True Crime Guys, a three dollar tier at Strange and Unexplained, and I mean five dollars. So a much month, content. I mean, damn, that's cheaper than a McDonald's combo. You know what I'm saying? So that's much right. content, so much. So, all right, all right. Well, I want to thank everybody that's gone and taken the time to write a review and uh, rate us five stars on iTunes in the past week. I want to say thanks to that A One H C from the U S. Said one of the only podcasts I listen to. Five stars. Uh, Chelsea or Chase Chassie baby or Chasey baby uh, from Canada hooked from St. John's Newfoundland Canada five stars thank you nice. uh, John Gilbert from the US um, gave us five stars and said he wants us to do Joe Matheny the guy that ate human sandwiches oh yeah the barbecue or, guy or sold sold human sandwiches roadside yeah yeah <laughs> human barbecue well, guy we should remember him we should definitely cover that one we should man it's been a while I, I know who he's talking about yeah um, Miss Marvel 303 from the US said Fuego as fuck five stars <laughs> nice we'll take it uh, also said I went into some of these podcasts thinking there's no way they're going to tell me something uh, about Bundy or Dahmer that I don't already know not only did I learn so much more about them but I really enjoyed listening blah 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 so yeah that's one thing that we, we like to pride ourselves in is that if, if we do a big time heavy hitter case that you're going to learn at least a couple things that you didn't know already right you know we really dive deep and read books and whatnot for those cases right so. and because there's so many there's so many sources out there what we typically do is we're because there's two of us we split up and we we hit different yeah. sources we don't tell each other what mm-hmm. we're hitting and what we're not we just we both yeah go we even learn stuff from each other when we're recording those usually. yes and it usually leads to a pretty good conversation so there's a lot to a lot to be learned in those heavy hitter cases because some of them are like three yeah. plus hours right <laughs> um also yolo 2149 up in canada said best true crime podcast ever thank you yeah That's um bold. appreciate it uh well i guess the person said their name is dardar 21 as well so shout okay. out to both dardar 21 and yolo 2149 okay um and then j remember jlm construction last week i talked about how uh you know left us a great review and said we uh, somehow clicked four stars i guess that was an accident because they they re-reviewed <laughs> us and gave us five stars this side uh, this time man i wonder if that'll um, work for all our negative reviews we should just go back and just tell those <laughs> just right. like i don't know if you noticed but you accidentally clicked two stars um, right. So you might want to go back and check that. I appreciate it, though. They said, I had all five on there. I heard you say in your last episode it was only four. It's definitely five stars. So right on. Thanks, right. JLM Construction. Thank you very much. Your construction yes. company is now five stars. Sorry we said it was four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you just got two free advertisements for JLM Construction. Right. So, um, congratulations. Uh, right on. So, yeah, that, that's our case this week and our episode this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're back with another one more freebie next week, right, before we go back to Patreon the following week? Yes, that's correct. Right on. Maybe we'll do the sandwich eater or the sandwich seller. Yeah, the barbecue roadside guy. Matheny. Barbecue right. guy. You want to do that one? Yeah. What the hell? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. All right, guys. So we'll see you next week with that one. Uh, keep creeping. Yep. Love y'all. Keep creeping, Be safe. True crime guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. 
I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. Talk to the creeper army, we out here making better charming.